the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. When you watch a guy, Ger, standing on the sideline counting players with his fingers, you know this is bullshit. Probably the greatest ever victory for Ireland. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Yeah, on the back of uh, the All-Ireland uh, football final uh, that we had last Sunday, it's now turn uh, for the Camogie and um, it is two of the heavyweights uh, who tend to be perennial in among the three, I suppose, Galway, Kilkenny and Cork. Galway missing out this year. Uh, it's Kilkenny and Cork in the Camogie final uh, on Sunday and uh, throwing is at 4.15 at Crow Park, so get yourself along uh, if you're in the capital. Just just starting uh, with that, actually, um, Ursula, what sort of crowd will we be expecting on Sunday? How would it compare to last Sunday's? Um, look, if you if you're asking me at this stage, I think probably we if we get around twenty five thousand, uh, t- max thirty thousand, I'd say is what we'll we'll get on Sunday. Um, unfortunately, we're we're lagging a little bit behind the ladies' football finals figures, but um, hopefully, you know, all sixty all six teams involved will bring a big support, and then even I'd encourage as many neutrals as possible as well because it's a it's a real showcase for Camogie on Sunday. You know, we're going to have three top class finals on Sunday and it's the biggest stage, the biggest games of the year. So I I definitely encourage everyone to get out and support um, uh, any of the teams because we're, we're in for a real treat. Yeah, we had Sarah Donovan on OTBAM this morning. Um, she made a couple of interesting points um, and I want to kind of take you up on this. She said this. Dublin had 100 training sessions and still the gap between the likes of the dubs and we'll say the, the top three which is Galway and the two finalists Sunday is great so what's the landscape like now it's it's something I've I made a point about in, in senior men's hurling that it's a massive challenge for the GA to spread the gospel of hurling around the country the, the same challenges obviously remain in Camogie Without a doubt, and you just mentioned there about the dominance of, of Galway, Cork and Kilkenny. You know, each of those three teams have been in, uh, you know, in the All-Irelands consistently over the, the last decade. The last team outside of those three teams that were in it was my own Wexford when we completed the, 20, or the, the three in a row in, in 2012. So you can just see how dominant and how much maybe ahead the likes of Cork, Galway and Cork are. Um, now, in, in saying that, I, I give huge credit to Watford this year. You mm. know, they really, really pushed Cork all the way and they were down a number of players for a variety of reasons. And maybe their inexperience showed in the second half and maybe Cork pushed on because they, they know how to win at that stage. Um, and Tipperary, our team, I suppose, that have been there, thereabouts in the last couple of years, but... I suppose they had a few disappointing draws and losses in this year's championship and they failed to get out of the group. So there is a nice competitive competitiveness between the likes of Watford, Limerick, uh, Dublin, Tipperary, but there is still that gap. We, we can't ignore it. Um, Cork, Galway and Kilkenny have probably raised the standard so high um, and unfortunately the other teams are a little bit behind and I don't see anyone outside of the top three teams you know, winning the All Ireland in the next year or two, I think it's going to take a few few more years than that. Well, you look at Meath in the football. Like what Meath have done for ladies football is amazing, really. Just um, and the rags to riches story. It probably takes a lot more in Camogie because it's just so so difficult historically and everything else. Without a doubt, and you know, I'd have nothing but utmost respect and admiration for that Meath team. I think they're incredible. Um, I think what they've done for the game, as you have said, ha- they've raised the bar, they've raised the standard, they've come from intermediate to, 
you know, to win in the last two senior All Ireland. So the the challenge is there for the likes of the Waterfords, the Tipperaries, even my own county Wexford to get back up to that standard. Um, you know, but that's not to take away from the teams we have in in the final on Sunday. Cork, Cork and Kilkenny are a credit to themselves how they've consistently come back year on year uh, back to an All-Ireland final and Galway were very unlucky not to be here on Sunday too so it just shows um, it's not as easy to, to, to break through as some might think you know there's a lot of hard work there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on and you know I, I, I appreciate what Sarah was saying about Dublin did the 100 sessions um, but Unfortunately, that's not just the only aspect that that it takes to win an All Ireland. There's lots more factors involved. Um, but look, at, we've we've had a decent comp, uh, uh, championship this year because right down to the final day, we didn't know who was going to make the quarterfinals. Um, so that was that was an intriguing uh, day for for neutrals to keep an eye on all the fixtures. But as expected we've landed with the same kind of two teams in the final um, as recent years. Yeah, they beat the they beat each other in the semis going back uh, to the pandemic days. But uh, let's just talk about the management team, first of all, because, um, you know, we've uh, Brian Cody has finally relinquished uh, his reign in Kilkenny. We've had a few managerial appointments here or there, um, a lot of managerial merry-go-rounds. There isn't a job that Davy Fitzgerald isn't linked to. So what was the reaction in Camogie when he got involved with Cork? I think it was very positive, um, to be honest, because um, anything that David Fitzgerald is associated with, it brings attention to it. It uh, brings a positivity to it as well, because when you see the likes of someone like David Fitzgerald getting involved in a camogie team, it then might encourage and open the door for other uh, ex ma- ex managers of hurling teams to come on board. And that's not to say there's not lots of really really good. Um, camogie managers out there or coaches or trainers but having someone as high profile as Davey involved is a big plus for the game it, it adds to the intrigue it adds to the drama it adds to you know what Davey brings to any day um, I think there'll be as much eyes on the sideline and how you know he's uh, getting the girls prepared in, in terms of the warm up, uh, offering instructions, etc. And he's as passionate with this car team as he has been with Wexford hurlers or Clare hurlers in the past. So it's brilliant for Cork um, to have someone uh, of his experience and knowledge there as well. And he seems to have a really good relationship with Matthew Toomey. Just on that as well, Ursula, like it must say an awful lot for Matthew to bring somebody with with that power and that personality um, as a notional um, subservient in that coaching staff. Without a doubt. And it just shows Matthew left any ego aside when he when he got Davy involved because I've read a few interviews with Matthew over the course of the year. And he comes across, I, I don't know him personally, but he comes across... You know, just with the genuine interest of Car Camogie, he doesn't care how they win. He'll get whoever needs to be involved as long as they they win. And I say massive fair play to him for going, uh, you know, out there and searching for someone like Davy Fitz. But also, he's happy enough let, to let Davy make instructions or give give uh, advice to the girls. He seems to have a very uh, openness about you know how the management should be working together. And it, it seems to be working so so far uh, so well this year. So um, I think that's important because I'm sure Davey is used to having, you know, control um, and, you know, kind of being the main man involved in the, set- in the setup. And Matthew seems to allow Davey to have that freedom with the girls. 
Um, but in saying that, you know, Matthew deserves a huge amount of credit as well. Being in his first year as manager and has already reached the league final, won the Munster title and now is in an All-Ireland. And just the context of the heartache that, um, you know, they've had to suffer in Kilkenny as well. We mentioned Henry Sheffield, obviously the loss of his brother. Tommy's involved, um, obviously, with the Kilkenny team. Brian Dowling lost his uncle in a house fire. This is around the same time. So they had to get, I suppose, Camogie to be something that uh, about which they rallied at that time and, and something to kind of keep them going at a really, really tough time for them as people. Yeah, without a doubt. And... I'd have to say, no matter what, I'd know a lot of those Kilkenny girls personally because I would have either played with them or managed them down in WIT during our Ashburn Cup days. And they're just a, a fierce, sound, nice bunch of girls. But there's this closeness that you 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 associate with a club team, mm. not so much even a county team, because they would genuinely, you know, just go to the end of the, the line for each other. They'd fight for each other on the pitch. You know, and you see that and you saw that in their performance in particular against Galway in the semi-final. You know, the, if, if someone was struggling, they, they were being backed up by two or three players. And it just shows, you know, the the power of sport too, though. Because, you know, Tommy Shefflin has obviously had a difficult time with his, losing his brother, the same with Brian Dowling. And then even a number of girls in the Kilkenny panel um, you know, have suffered injuries, etc. So they've shown a huge amount of resili- resilience and togetherness um, throughout the year. And I think that has stood to them massively because that's what you need when you're coming into an All-Ireland final. And when things get tough on the pitch, you know, that's where you're looking to the person beside you to you know, rally you on and drive you on. And Kilkenny have that in abundance. Just think back to 2020 and Olive Gall, the big smile on her face after they beat Gawley. But it was interesting listening to the management team where they felt like, and you remember this is in the back arse of the year, basically, in the COVID year. Um, and I think just reading, um, coming up to the game, that Brian felt that they were just flat after it. It was a real drawn out kind of celebration that's, kind of dribbled on, bled into 2021. And they just he felt that they just couldn't quite get going last year. Yeah, and you can understand that because, as he rightly stated, when they won in 2020, they couldn't really enjoy it or celebrate it like in All Ireland. I was up there that that evening. Um, it's and it bizarre. Was, it's eerie, like. It was eerie. You mm. could hear the girls talk to each other on the pitch. You could hear the management's instructions. And when Lucinda Gann lifted the cup for Kilkenny, you know, she had 30 people cheering her on. It just, it didn't feel right. It wasn't a normal a normal All-Ireland. I'm not saying it takes away from the fact that they won that All-Ireland, but they didn't even get to have a proper homecoming or celebration. They didn't get to have their kind of medal night when when they were still on a high with it. It was months later. So all of that I can understand when that streams into the next year. Um, it can maybe be, a, I can understand what Brian means by the fact that maybe there was a flatness in, in Kilkenny's performance. Maybe the hunger wasn't the same as it was in the previous year. Um, but in saying that, I would point out that they were very, very unlucky not to reach the All-Ireland last year. They only lost by a point uh, to Cork in the semi-final and that was through Linda Collins getting a, an injury time winner. Mm. So even though they were flat, um, I would argue that they were unbelievably unlucky not to reach the final last year. 
Yeah, and one memory I have from them games in Co Park was that um, even in 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 an eighty thousand seater stadium, the bench can make some noise when they want to, and it was the same. It was the same in the men's game. But uh, let get let let's get to some of the matchups now. Um, and listen back to OTBAM for Sarah's kind of. She has five key matchups. Denise Gall is fascinating because obviously in the semi final she had to do a lot of kind of donkey work to sort of um, I guess upset the tie. She didn't actually. I don't think she scored from play, but um, you'd imagine where is she going to play actually Sunday is my first question for you. Yeah, well, the, the 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 joy about Denise and and where she can play, she can pretty much play anywhere up from midfield to full forward. So that's the question marks for Cork because you know it's not like she's centre forward every day or she's midfield named midfield. She can go from corner forward out to midfield, and then you 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 saw her last or the last day against Galway in the semi final. She was back in the full back line tracking back. So. She's an incredible talent and an incredible player. And I, I, I'd be so impressed by her semi-final performance in lots of ways because things weren't going overly great for her from a freeze perspective. And I, uh, me being a, a, a free taker as well, I understand that that can... That can be very mentally tough and Just on that Arsenal, right? If you're it, it it must be a very unique job where like you're trying to at one at one moment you're trying to be part of the hurly burly of what's going on, then you have to park everything like that. So uh, and all the pressure's on you, everyone's looking at you for the freeze, and then you go back to, you know, trying to score from play and trying to influence play. Psychologically that must be tricky. Very tricky and and she seemed to be able to even though she was struggling with some of her freeze um, and she had an off day and, and Denise would be the first to admit that. But I felt that, you know, fair play to her that she kind of stepped aside and let Katie Nolan take the freeze in the second half. And Denise seemed to focus more on the job on hand in terms of doing the donkey work, tracking back, helping her half back line, back in the full back line. And that's that's Denise. For me to sum up Denise, she's such a selfless player. You know, she's not looking for the limelight or the headlines. She's just looking to do what's best for Kilkenny. And she knew by having that bit of an off day with her freeze, that if she kind of took the onus and the burden of taking the freeze off her, she had this little bit more freedom to go out and express herself. And I think she was key to to Kilkenny winning that game, even though some people might look on it that she missed some crucial freeze. But I turn it into the positive that her work rate, her desire to get the ball, to help back, with her, with her defence was a lot more uh, of a presence on the pitch than even taking freeze. And if there's a consensus that Cork haven't fully actually gotten going yet this year, uh, talk to me about Ashling Thompson. Uh, we're all over Roy Keane on OTV today and uh, she's uh, invoked his spirit before an interview speaking about uh, how you deal with things mentally. Compelling character, one of the most compelling characters uh, in, in Camogie, obviously. Um, she likely start. How important is she if Cork are to win this game? Yeah, well, if you look at the semi-final, um, she, Cork looked quite flat. They looked tame without her. For those first 20 minutes, they looked kind of dishevelled. I don't know, did, this, did the disruption of the whole Ashling Thompson and the appeal affect them more than maybe they realised? But her immediate impact when she came off the bench, you know, was immense. Like, I, I remember the first ball she got, she was in her own half-back line. And a player of her caliber seems to have that extra second to look up. And the minute she got the ball, she delivered it inside to Katrina Mackey, who got Cork's first play, uh, first score uh, of the game. So look, at she's integral to Cork in so many ways. She's the engine of the Cork team. She's the 
she's probably the main leader alongside Hannah Looney midfield. And to me, that's the crucial area in this game on Sunday because so much goes through the, the Cork midfield because they're able to, car, uh, to cover a huge amount of ground. They're very, very physical. Is this a Davy Fitzgerald influence? Yeah, without a doubt. And sure, Davy knows it himself what Ashling can bring to the team. And, you know, Davy, like he's done with whether it's Wexford Hurling or Clare Hurling, he likes to keep numbers back. So he likes keeping the Cork defence nice and compact, congested, so that the other team are completely stifled and they, and they don't have the space, even in a pitch like Crow Park. So Ashling offers that kind of foil around the half-back line that allows... Laura Tracy to have a little bit more of a sweep and roll and then she's got Ashling in front of her to cover what, what play is going on in front and then the thing Ashling can do so effectively is she can transition the play from defence to attack so quickly and that was a big issue for Cork in that first half because they weren't getting the ball in quick enough to the inside danger players like Amy O'Connor and Katrina Mackey whereas when Ashling came on she was able to get the ball in that bit quicker. She had the extra time to look up to hit the ball into space because up to her being on the pitch, Cork's dis- distribution of the ball into the inside forward line wasn't good enough. Um, so look, at she is is going to be a central figure um, for Cork on Sunday. She's going to have a huge game and a huge say in the game as well because, as I said, she can be a very intimidating figure on the pitch for other teams. So why is um, that? Why is that? Yeah, is it just? Uh... Um, yeah, well, I, I suppose it, it comes down to the fact that it's that presence alone that she has. Shade Roy Keane about her. Yeah, well, like look at her. I wouldn't even be comparing her to that. I'd just be comparing her to to the fact that she's got this inner determination and belief that she still, all these years later, mm. wants to win at all costs for for Cork. Now, in saying that. She probably can count herself very lucky that she got off the appeal. Yeah. And, and she's not, she didn't miss the semi final and she isn't missing the final because she did have a two match ban. Um, but she plays on the edge. She brings, um, you know, a huge amount to this car team. And without her, they probably don't have the same kind of flair or fight in them uh, because she's just so important to them in so many ways. Who wins up on Maeve Cahillan then, which obviously invokes memories for a lot of us of the Cork teams uh, of the 90s from a famous uh, Cork family outstanding in the semi-final? Yeah, Maeve, look at, you know, I think we, we all know about the Callahans and how how their parents get it gets to see them all playing <laughs> in, every, in every football game, hurling game, camogie game, but... It's unbelievable. You know, Maeve, uh, she had an outstanding game in the semi-final. She did a great job on on Neve Rocket, who was one of the main uh, scoring threats for Waterford. And she just does the simple things well. There's nothing flashy. There's nothing over-elaborate. Um, but she's a very, very pacey inside-back uh, player. And you can see why... You can see the experience she has from being a footballer as well, because... She likes to give and go. She hand passes it off to one of her half-back and she's ready to take the next pass. So as a forward, that's very, you nearly feel like you're marking, marking her at times. But she's had a really consistent year and she, she's very um, important to that Cork defence because um, they, they have to be very wary of what's, what's kind of inside in the Kilkenny attack. Well, if, if Galway were a little direct and Kilkenny kind of laboured a bit against that at times, is there any rabbit out of the hat that either of these teams is going to pull that they might expose some chink in the opposition? Um, 
time, well, look, at, <laughs> with, with Davy Fitz involved, yeah. there could be any rabbit out of any hat. But look, at, I think there's very, very little between these teams. I don't think we're going to be in for any massive surprises mm. in terms of what either team are going to bring on Sunday because we, we, we know these teams so well. These teams know each other so, so well. Um, and even if you look at their last few games... Um, this year in the league it was a draw game last year's semi-final Cork won by a point the the previous year Kilkenny won by two points the 2018 All-Ireland Cork won by a point uh, the 2017 All-Ireland Cork won by a point so uh, the margins that are between these two teams is very very small and it, it could come down to the fact that a moment of magic that could happen again uh, in the last minute I don't think it's going to be a hugely high scoring affair because as I said both defences like to stay really, really tight and compact. Um, I hope it's not a free-taking contest because mm. none of us want that. If it is, but who wins? What? If it's a free-taking contest, who wins? God, it's very hard to say because I don't think Denise is going to have an off day again. I think mm. she's a big player who performs on the big stage. Then Cork, on the other hand, have bought Amy O'Connor for the closing freeze and then Chloe Sigerson, who probably has you know a 60-metre uh, range of a strike and that's really really vital to Cork because if you're able to score from 50-60 metres out taking a free that can be a huge advantage to any team um, and they're brilliant free takers but I just hope we're not talking about the freeze count on, on Monday morning I hope we're just talking about the, the, spectac- the spectacle yeah. of the game that it is and I think if either team can maybe get a goal um, that's going to be really really crucial because Aoife Norris in the Kilkenny goal had a top-class performance in the semi-final. Amy Lee, the car captain and the goalie, uh, she's one of the best goalies out there. And I think, you know, whoever can maybe get a goal past one of those, it's going to be really, really vital uh, throughout the game. Before we get your prediction, uh, what was compelling for me about Sunday's game uh, in the football was the comments of the likes of Vicky Wall. And this was... uh, you know, echoed by Ashling O'Reilly this morning on OTBM about when you bring sort of S&C into a ladies football increasingly and where the rule book is in terms of the physicality creeping into the game. How is Camogie in that regard? Because, the you know, you see Eamon Murray saying he doesn't want the rules changed. Very, very difficult job for the referee last Sunday. A lot of lot of frees that were a little bit on the controversial side. How is Camogie in that regard? And is this going to evolve as the game kind of progresses as well? Yeah, well, I, I I think from looking at, in particular, the two semi-finals, I think in fairness to the referees, they actually allowed the play mm. to develop that little bit more. They allowed the extra little bit of physicality. And I'm not looking to promote any kind of dirtiness or anything like that, but these girls that are training uh, you know, for the last seven, eight, nine months, they are after bringing their, their, their game to the next level in terms of the strength and conditioning they're doing they are able to take a little bit more physicality. And that's what I think we're all just wanting as a Camogie fan or a supporter that, you know, you're not, you're not encouraging, you know, dirty play, but you are allowing that there is that little bit more physicality. And thankfully I have seen, you know, a a little bit more common sense used in the championship this year where they're not blowing for everything. Two or three years ago, I remember after one of the All-Irelands, like all that was spoken about was, and I think it was the Cork-Kilkenny game, it was 10 points to nine. Mm. And I think there was only three points from play in that whole scoreline for an All-Ireland final. Like we're, we're talking about some of the best players in Ireland playing um, on Sunday. And you want them to be able to express themselves in a, 
you know, in a healthy way. You want them to be able to go out there and, you know, give each other a, a bit of a nudge going for a ball or, you know, a, a defender like Grace Walsh, you know, stopping a player, you know, using her physical strength. Not doing anything dirty or malicious. And is there, so, is there, is there, is there any com- commentary in Camogie about like the explosion of interest in ladies Gaelic football? Not necessarily mirrored in Camogie because it's just that bit harder to kind of latch on to what's been happening. Yeah, like I saying, I suppose you you always are looking at comparisons between the two, but they are they are two different games as well because obviously you've the element of a hurley uh, versus just having a football. So you you are I think. Whether you're a ladies football fan or a camogie fan, you are just looking for a kind of common sense to override uh, some decisions. Because if it if it becomes just a stop start affair where you're going strictly by the rule book on every decision, well then, sure, every game would just be consistently free after free. You're just a la- you're just looking for the flow of the game to be a little bit more, and that's what you know. I'd be hoping on Sunday that things will be allowed to develop. Give the advantage if it's there because let the play develop and see how it goes rather than just constantly stop start and having a free taking competition. And there has to be part of you watching that uh, Sunday thinking, what could I do if I were to ever take over the Wexford Camogie team? Could I drive them to this day? Well, look, that's that's always the ambition. I, I want to see Wexford back on the biggest stage. It's, it's very hard to believe that the last time a, a Wexford senior team was in a final was 2012. Mm. Um, and that's disappointing. And I suppose the club scene in Wexford is actually very strong. And obviously my own club, Owler Tabalock, have um, had lots of success, you know, winning the club Oral Ireland back in December and reaching the final in March. So there is talent within the county. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it, it's going to take a little bit more than, you know, there's a, a few more steps to go before we're we're back in an All Ireland final competing against the likes of Cork or Kilkenny. You heard it here first, right? Call it Sunday, so. Um, as I said, I think it's going to be a, a hugely tense uh, physical battle, and also very very tactical in ways because I think, as we've mentioned, the matchups on Sunday are going to be really really crucial to whoever wins. For me, um, yeah, I, I'd be so impressed with Kilkenny's resilience and character all year. They've had lots of setbacks. They've lost a third of their team from this time last year due to retirements and injuries, etc. Um, but there's something there's something in the back of my mind saying that Cork, um, you know, even though they've had maybe more inconsistent performances than Kilkenny, they seem to get it right more so than often on All Ireland final day. And I think maybe the hurt of losing the final last year might just get them over the line on Sunday. Thanks a million for your time, Ursula. Thank you. Thank you.